Hello. Hi, Merlin. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Should we go? Uh, should we go live yet? I'm good. I'm sick. Should we go live? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Are you sick? A B C. I am sick. Yes, live. What happened to you? Do it. Oh, you oh. don't sound good. Mm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got theories. I got theories. You overworking yourself? No. <laughs> That's funny. Um, you actually sound good in a way, a weird way, sort of like Demi Moore or Demi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I picked a better mate. I. Uh, What's wrong with Bruce Willis? <laughs> uh, he's the one that plays harmonica, right? Yes. Yeah. Was his name uh, Bruno? Return of Bruno? Was that the name of his album? That was a fun one. That's probably on iTunes. I'll check. It's probably in the cloud already. I just can't get to it. Um. I have two things. Well, first of all, I just came back from a conference, and every time I go to a conference, I get sick. It's it's not it's nothing against the conference. You just touch people a lot, you know, their hearts, but mostly their hands. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I've met, especially in the tech community, <clears throat> not so much at like a consumer <clears throat> entrepreneur kind of thing, but like a tech thing. I've met a lot of nerds who don't shake hands, mostly because they don't understand uh, connections with other people. What do you do? Fist bump, blow it up. No, no, they will just stand there and put their hands into their very large, very large pants and say, and say, uh, sir, I don't shake hands. And I go, okay, that's cool. Oh, you, you know. can't even do the voice. You are really sick. So uh, I could do it. I just, I'm trying to save it up. I got yeah. a lot, lot to talk about today. So I'm keeping it simple. Um, I use a lot of hand sanitizer and I try to drink water and I always get sick. I want to come back to the conference, but, um, I I, I, uh, I think more specifically, um, my second theory, last week, Sunday before last, um, your kid doesn't go to like schooly school, right? Nope. Okay. Uh, my daughter goes to a, a little, you know, co-op preschool deal and <clears throat> you volunteer there and stuff. Anyway, um, it was the big harvest festival, the annual like, you know, fall event. And um, I'm lazy and I get sunburns. So I really lucked out in that I got to run the, you know, the haunted house. So really all I had to do was stand in the place where they usually put the bikes and let kids stick their hand in spaghetti. You know, you're just when your kid, you, you, they, they pass around the peeled grapes and they say, these are eyeballs. Mm-hmm. You stick your hand in the spaghetti and they say, it's, you know, worms. Have you done this? I, I my, was on the receiving. I was on the receiving end of this. I've never been the one delivering the box. Did you ever put your hand in spaghetti? In the box. Yeah. They, they had, uh, the, the, the witch would hold out the box and she'd say, now okay. it's time to put your hand into the box. And you would you'd put your hand in there and it creeped me out so bad. I never went to another. Uh, I, I could house. see that so completely creeping you out. I, first of all, I don't see you like liking hanging out with a witch. Um, I don't see you enjoying putting your hand into food. <laughs> I, I bet you would rather actually touch worms than, than cold. <laughs> At that age, I probably would have. Your, your kitchen is very tidy. Am I right? Uh, it is right now. See, but you, you worry, don't you? You worry. I don't. It uh, just happens to be that today it got cleaned. Okay. Uh, we have different standards. Uh, uh, the reason I'm sharing this anecdote with you, in, in addition to explaining why I think I'm sick, um, it just seems to me like you would not relish four hours of helping children put their hands into pasta. I would love that. Okay. Well, I loved it too for a while. Okay, so it's my job to come in and uh, it's you like know, when I, to, this is, I see you as sort of the, in this case, you were sort of the, the reverend 
mother getting uh, Paul, Duke Paul, to put his hand into the Duke box. Paul. Somebody will tell me why I missed that later. No, I had on jeans and a, 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 bar. a Canadian broadcasting uh, t-shirt. And I said, hey, you guys, you want to come in and fill the worms or whatever? And they come in. And, you know, and, and so some of the kids, I try to freak them out because they're trying to be tough. And you don't want to get tough with me no. if you're a three-year-old. You have a small ass, but I will put you on your ass. Yeah. You want fear? I'll give you fear. There's spiders in there you didn't know about. <laughs> Good luck going to sleep, Junior. So anyway, all day they come up and these are children, Dan, okay? And they're children and they're putting their hands into a big thing of pasta, mm-hmm. okay? Now I... Is it as, covered up? Is a lid? Is there a lid on it or they see that it's pasta in there? I'm not going to lie to you. There was not a lot of like... Um, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, uh, practical effects going into this. It was, it, was, it was largely a cauldron, like from Walgreens, that had several different kinds of very wet pasta, some pirate coins, and spiders in it. Real, and, real um, spiders? Or? I didn't design this, Dan. I just, I, I, can't, I just showed up and I said, do you want me to empty trash or should I go, go to the bike shed? Did you have your hand up through the box so you could grab them when they put their hand in? This is the problem. No, I should have done that. That's good. I'm going to capture that for next year. No, uh, journal. No. It, I'll journal it for my for my Halloween tongle for next year. But no, my my um, what I felt part of my job was um, was to sort of create a more uh, realistic illusion of these being annelids. And so I would I would just plunge my hand in there and pull them out and go ooh worms. And I even had a bit I worked out where I could take a big piece of uh, what's the fat pasta, uh, not the uh, ronzoni. Okay, and, and I would kind of do that lame magic trick where you're actually pulling it, but it looks like it's crawling on your hand. And I did this for several hours. I plunged my hand into wet spaghetti for hours. The wet spaghetti that dozens and dozens of filthy three-year-olds have been sticking their hands in all day. Yeah. I didn't wash my hands all day. I, I'm usually a wash-your-hands guy. I'm, I'm often a, thing, a, san, a sanitizer guy. But it didn't occur to me until I was about to go home that I would probably literally die in the next few days. Because <laughs> it's the perfect, I mean, think about that. Think about that. You got what, what could be a better carrier for, for kids sick than wet pasta that I'm touching? Then I, I, what, I scratch my eye, I go to the bathroom, you know? Well, you're, you're not going to get a cold from going to the bathroom. Well, it depends. <laughs> depends what I mean, you lick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it's That's paper true. towel, it's probably clean. Yeah. They got to sign up. You can only have one. I always take two. No school is going to tell me how to dry my hands. Anyway, um, so I had my hands in, in dirty kid pasta all day. And I've been feeling fine until I came back from the conference. And now um, I, I feel sick and I'll probably have to throw up during the show. It's like, it's like when Gruber has to get, go find his Ethernet cable. You Did might you, need to what, pause. Do you have like a cold or a flu, do you think? I don't know. I, I didn't get the shots. Uh, I, I heard John Syracuse said that I won't, won't get a cold of any kind. Right. If, I get if you a get, shot. according to John Syracuse, if you get yeah. a, if you get a flu shot, you won't get a cold. And then so you can't, also you can't get a, sick in any way. You won't get an ear infection. Right. And right. colds are the same as flus. And your reading comprehension improves. John Syracuse knows so much about medicine that I, I consider him uh, an, uh, an auger, a harbinger. Anyway. Auteur. Boy, that guy can't say anything without getting nailed. So anyway, I'm here. I, I feel pretty good. Um, I got some very fast follow-up because this is going to be another long one. So you know, you'll probably have to cut me off in that mean way you did last time. <laughs> should we talk about? Should we talk about Marco? Or should we skip Marco? Oh, we should, yeah, we should mention that. It's big news. Well, I don't want to. It's the beginning of the <laughs> beginning of the end for that kid. 
Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine doing that at, at uh, 28 years old? Oh my God. I think, I, I think he's probably amongst your hosts. Mike Montero is, is, is probably, I work with Mike and the last hour of every day, Mike does nothing but walk around sort of slightly autistically moving things on desks for an hour. He's very <laughs> tightly wound. He's very, very tidy. He's extremely tidy. And his work shows it. He's a very careful guy. He's a terrible human being, but his work's impeccable and his office is extremely clean. Oh. Now, I think Marco is a close third. You guys are tied for first, probably. Um, but but Marco, I just I cannot wait to see how Marco handles this because I think he's going to be great. He's ve- well, he will be a good dad. I don't think he needs any advice. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to be fine. But uh, yeah. he's 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 bound and determined to to preserve what uh, I think what he feels is is his current life, though. So we'll <laughs> see how long that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. I've seen it. It's fun. It's fun to watch. Have you ever met that Tiff? No. Oh, she's a top five percenter. She's she's delightful. She she's seems she's great. a she's a she's gonna do a lot of the heavy lifting, I think. Oh, yeah. and she's she's a good person. If and, and the funny thing is that it, whatever semblance of his current life that he is able to produce, yeah, he'll think that he he has done it himself and all credit will be due to his wife. Hmm. He'll be like, Yeah, think, see, I'm still doing this, still doing that, and they'll be like, Well, that's because oh, your Hon- wife Hong is Kong, doing the heavy Hong lifting. Hong Kong Fui. Right. Yeah. He's exactly uh, he's, She's the cat. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she'll probably be giving him a lot of email. That's what I think. Anyway, we won't go into it. Um, Marco should talk about it. Congratulations, though, to Marco. He's having I'm really, a, he's I'm having really a so happy for Very him. happy they're, for him. Yeah, they're good people. So I'm sure they'll talk about that, and people will email him. Those are the kinds of people you want having kids. Lots of yeah. them. He mentioned it on Twitter, and I just... I, I hate it when he doesn't talk about programming, so I unfollowed him. <laughs> okay, two quickies from this conference. I uh, and then, I, as you know, I have a topic for today. I want to tell you that I, I told you this on the uh, on the on the uh, texting, but but you didn't seem as excited as. So I'd like you to act more excited this time. That I'm going to tell the jackals, the two people, two of the many people I met at this conference, and I'd like you to be more enthusiastic. Okay, oh. you, are you ready? All right. Okay. Um, first of all, Dan. I met Curtis Beavers. Do you know who Curtis Beavers is? Oh my God, Curtis. Yes. Oh, you met him? That is so awesome. I can't believe it. Faith, he met Curtis. Okay, give me 20% less. Okay. You know know what Curtis made? He made the showbot.me. No. Nice try, though. Way to screw up my story. (laughs) He made the angry dancing corn. Oh, he made... Oh, the little guy. Yes. Did you get the tat? It was widely known at the Combine Conference that I was... uh, uh, really, the, the things have changed for me since I've seen the Angry Dancing Corn. I can't stop thinking about it. It's named Cornzilla, which I got to say is not as to me not as good as Angry Dancing Corn. But he, I met him, and he's a super guy. And uh, he was, it was, uh, he was, uh, he had no idea we talked about it on our show because he doesn't listen to it, so he's dead to me. But um, Curtis Beavers, and he's at curtisbeavers.com. It's in show notes. But um, boy, you're a bad person to not know who made Showbot. I, I met, I met, I met uh, Mute Winter. I met, I met Jeremy. I met the guy who made Showbot, and he's like the single best person I've met in six months. Oh, didn't, so didn't he do that? Uh, the Firefox logo? Oh, he's so good. He's the he's best. the guy whose emails you never return. He's really cool, and uh, I just want to say that like Jeremy's the best. He's probably in there with those jackals right now. But like it was he. I don't want to make a big deal about this, but he came from freaking Dayton. And we hung out, and it was really, really fun. It was a great, it was a really fun conference. But like the highlight for me was hanging out with him because he's uh, he's not like one of those unpleasant people you meet on the internet. He was super cool. <clears throat> and anyway, I don't want to be a jerk about it, but uh, it was so nice of him to do the showbot thing. And it was when you uh, say complete- Dayton, is that like what they call Daytona now, like the shortened? 
Oh, like a nickname? Yeah. No, no, it's kind of like uh, the uh, shareware version of Cincinnati with planes. Um, huh. And they got, uh, what have they got there? They got a couple planes, uh, got it by Voices, uh, the Breeders, I think, uh, or, or, or what are they now? The, uh, you know, the sisters from, from the Breeders. Oh, you're talking uh, they, about they, the, they, gem, they the Gem City. So what they call it? Yeah. God, you are so fast and your keyboard is so quiet. And of course, Chris Glass, the greatest photographer in the world, lives in Dayton. Uh, so I went to this conference. It was really fun. Corn Showbot. You know what? That guy is freaking smart. You know what? You should, you should cowboy up and get to know him because he's smart like hell. And can I just tell you, he's extremely close to the metal. People who don't know what we're talking about when we say Showbot, if you go to showbot.me, this is mm-hmm. this is where people in the chat room while we're recording these shows live, people in the chat room can suggest titles. And Showbot, I don't know how it does it, but it watches the the chat room, it collects title suggestions, it organizes them based on the show. It's great. Very useful. So after the show, we always look at showbot.me. Let's go see if there's anything there, because the jackals are probably already making fun of me now. So thanks so to Jeremy, thinking. Jeremy Curtis. Oh God, I'm angry now. You, show. Oh God, you're you're you can be a very bad person. He's uh, he's mute. He's mute. Winner, I believe, on the uh, on the Twitter. Uh, now, angry term, angry corn was that their third album? Was that in 1996 or the 98 album? Yeah, they just come out of they call it the sophomore slump, and unfortunately, that that's what they named their album, Corn uh, Winner. Was that after Life Is Peachy? Mm-hmm. Yep. They had that EP that was only available in Japan. I think it was called Only Available in Japan. Jeremy Mack is available at piloturtles.com. It's already in China. It's Jeremy. You totally rock. And I saw him buy somebody dinner when the credit card didn't work. He's a good man. Um, a little needy, uh, maybe. Excuse me? Nothing. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> Gosh, you used, to, you used to be so lovable. It's just hard to understand. Streetcar. Um, haven't barfed yet. We're about uh, Are you feeling 40 nauseous? minutes in. I thought I was, was going to barf earlier. I know I usually make other people barf, so it's only fair karmically. Now, karma, is that, is that part of, the, that's the Buddhism, right? Uh, yes. Okay. But and it's, it's very, very different from what the people in the West think of as karma, which is absolutely, more like absolutely. an eye for an eye kind of thing. They think karma it. is about parking spaces. <laughs> now, the Upanishads, that's part, of, that's part of Hinduism. Is that right? Ana, Anapanasati. Okay. I have a cream for that. And the one where you uh, investigate and potentially kill the people who said the truth about you Okay, Scientology. Okay, so um, I, I, I sent this to you on the thing, and you can tell me if you still want to talk about this. I want to talk about presentations. Are you into that? Like the kind of presentation that you do when you when you go to Pixar or Next? Do you, do you, do you even listen to these things anymore? What are you, things? Are you just like AI at, at this point? Yeah, those kind of presentations. The kind of presentations that you have certainly presented, the kind of presentations that you've been to, you go somewhere, somebody's got what they refer to as a deck. Mm. And then they, they, like they, the they look at their slides, they read their slides into a microphone, and then there's a Q&A that nobody liked, and then somebody else comes up and does it, and that's they do that for like 12 hours. You've been to these, you've had a presentation, right? Yeah. What's the last presentation you did? You well, surely must get the advice. The last big one or the last little one? Um, when's the last time you had to, uh, well, ordinarily people like prepare slides and stuff, you know, like when's, when's the last time you went and like did a thing about a thing? You must've done stuff about like, I did it. I did I, I like, stuff, your apps. Yeah. I used to do that stuff. I mean, I always prefer the little regional things to like the big ones, but the, the last regional one I did was a, a rails conference down in Orlando. I did a keynote and then there was, uh, the last big one I did was at a rails conf, uh, in Portland, but I forget what year. It's been a nice. while. It's been a few years. I bet your slides are really pretty. Oh, they're the best. 
Yeah. People don't but, even, you don't even never, I mean, you've never seen slides until he's, to be honest. I, I believe these. it. I would actually would love to see them because I, I love your taste in design. I, I could see you being a little bit Tom Coatsy. I bet, you know, like I, <laughs> it's amazing. I, I used to think my slides were good and I would, and then I go and see like people who really know how to make slides and it's just totally embarrassing. I'm like, I mean, my slides are, I mean, like <laughs> this is, this is not an arrogant thing. It's a sad thing. My slides are better than 80% of slides you'll ever see. And it, it's like been featured in a book and stuff. But like sometimes then you'll go and see somebody like, you know, Tom Coates or Jeff Fee and you're like, oh, they're just in a whole different area. <laughs> but it gets, it gets somewhat to the point I'd like to uh, talk about. What did I say this was going to be called, Dan? I, I said, um, oh, I said it on the Twitter, I think. Did you say it on one? Twitter? I just have an email from you. I, haven't... I sent you an email. I sent you an yeah. email. Uh, Where are you on Twitter again? I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Fake Merlin. Fake Um, Merlin says, Mr. Show, Jeepers Creepers, 1996. Oh, that's funny. Oh, no, that's not it. Hold on. You don't love to Today I'm back to work. You're in a room. How to bomb your presentation with style. You dropped a colon. Do do you read the colon or do you just pause? Oh, yes, you read the colon. You just pause. The colon's a big, a big tube for transport. It gets you from one part of the sentence to another. <laughs> That's right. It's a fragment sometimes. You gotta drink more water. You're in a room, colon, how to bomb your presentation with style, which will certainly not be the name of the episode, but um, I want to, you know, I'll, 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 you know, disclose that one of the reasons I'm doing this is because, um, you know, like, I, I did have a funny thing happen with my presentation at this conference, but it's, it's far less funny than a lot of funny things that have happened. But it, 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 for a li- about a year, no, more than a year, there's been this thing in the back of my head. You know how you are like, like back when you would write more bloggy stuff or like I would write more bloggy stuff. You had these ideas in the back of your head for like something you want to write about. Yeah. Right. And you go, you know, I should really write up a thing on that. And this is something um, that I've been thinking about for a long time. I had a really popular post a few years ago. I think all the images are broken right now, so don't bother looking. But I did this thing about like how my how I got my presentations a little bit better. And now I have this kind of like this follow-up I want to do um, to talk about today. It should be probably a blog post, but I want to talk about not simply how to just do better presentations, um, although that'll certainly be part of it. I want to talk about the culture of presentations, not just in terms of what presenters do well or poorly, but how the environment for how we present our presentations either encourages or discourages um, what, I, what I would call a good show. Because it, it's my thesis that there is a self-perpetuating culture of presentation badness that is extremely hard to get out of, right? You know what I mean? Like from a, pre, from a presenter standpoint, you start with, well, I open up PowerPoint or I open up Keynote and I've got these templates and, you know, the templates can be very good, but they're still templates. If you, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, how, how good would your writing be if you always started with a writing template? You know, f- writing a five-paragraph essay is an important exercise to do a lot of times because you learn about structure. But just even starting with the slides, there's a lot of sameness, a lot of boringness. You go to the presentations that people do. You know what I'm saying? I do. And it bums me out because... The reason I say that self-reinforcing is I used to think it was just the quote un- the pre- presenter's quote unquote fault, because yeah, I mean there, there's um, we won't go I won't go into a huge amount of detail about that piece of it today because there's actually a lot uh, out there about it. The two books I always recommend to people um, just for learning how to tell a story 
with a presentation is a book called Beyond Bullet Points that we can put in notes. But the best book ever about this, I think, is uh, Gar Reynolds's book, Presentation Zen. It's the best book ever because it has Inbox Zero slides in it. Mm. But, it's the, but I love Gar's book because it, I always like reading a book that tells me something I didn't realize I already knew and it tells me better than I knew it. And in that case, it's that you're doing a show, right? When you go out and you do a presentation or a talk or please don't call it a deck, that's like calling a movie a script. It doesn't even make any sense. Like <laughs> it's, but he gives you the sense of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, you, you're going to go put on this show. Yeah, your slides are part of it. You know, but also you're going to, you could have these like leave behinds that let you not have to get all, you know, creating these you know, 14 column tables that nobody can read anyway because the type's too small. But so, so, you know, there, are, I just want to stipulate that there are a lot of places that go into more detail about how to st- start sucking less at presentations. I'm going to assume that you are kind of familiar with that stuff. What's weird is like everybody I know tries really hard at this stuff. And I, now when I go to places like WebStock or whatever or Deconstruct, or, you know, you see these things, like, again, like Tom Coates, one of the best presenters ever. And, you know, you see that, but then you go to, I go to so many conferences, Dan, and I cannot believe people who do this 10 times a year, like still have the, I'm not even saying my slides are great per se, but like I'm talking about the classic mistakes. I'm talking about putting more than 30 words on a slide. I'm wow. talking about reading off the slides. I'm talking about looking at the screen rather than the audience. All of the stuff that flips the bozo bit with the audience. You know what I mean? But there's all kinds of ways to learn that. But, but the thing of it is, I think there is this culture. People talked about this a few years ago. Everybody was writing about um, what they call Death by PowerPoint. It was actually like a book. And I think that's true. I mean, I think, I think if you go, it's a, one part of the problem, though is the whole, like, you know, where's your deck? You got, a, you got your deck? Give me your deck. Give me your deck, because we've got to put it into the deck that we're all dealing with the deck when we do our road show. And it's like, there is this whole deck, 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 deck thing that, that's like, oh, you know, purple background, yellow bullets, goes on and on and on and on. Um, but then there's also stuff, and I don't want to call it the host's fault, but a lot of that crappiness in, from presenters is really reinforced by what's allowed and not allowed in a presenting environment. So there's all kinds of terrible habits that just get reinforced by doing presentations a lot. Put differently, like if I wanted to create a show comprised of kind of a performance and a you know, s- slide thing or media of whatever kind, if I wanted to do something that would run in every environment, I would cre- be creating the most boring thing in the entire world, just completely drained of personality. And I think, so that's why it's self-reinforcing. If you do that enough, you start going, well, wow, you know, I really, I don't want to have to depend on audio or video in this. I don't want to have to depend on my transitions making any sense. Hell, I don't want to have to depend on these being actual slides because somebody might demand that I drop a PDF onto a thumb drive that they can go pop into a PC. You know what I mean? There's all these things that for a variety of reasons you can't count on all the time. And sometimes that's bad communication, but a lot of time it's just because this is how we do it. This is how we do it. And I think if you, you may not agree, audience, that it's a show, but I wish you did. Because if you saw it as a show, you'd think about it really differently. you think about it more in terms of like seeing the presenter as not a performer precisely, but the person who's leading a, uh, this show and is trying to connect and communicate with the room, you know, through things like what? Through, what would you call it? Media, uh, the performance, the story. So... Anyway, um, 
I think it's a bummer because there's a lot there's a lot that we could do to improve this, and so I just want to I want to talk about that a little bit. Do, do you get that? I mean, what's your what's your take on uh, the presentation stuff? You like them? You like do you like going and seeing presentations? It depends. If it's somebody like you talking, if it's somebody you know who's not going to go bomb a deck, <laughs> you know, then yeah, then I would say yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think in these these conferences like uh, like this is it Singleton? Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm, I think so. You it's know, got conferences, a sedia, a sedia. Oh, is That's that with the the letter with the little thing hanging off? Yeah, like when you say "sunt." Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this kind of conference, this which I think of as maybe it's a throwback to old school conferences, but to me it feels very modern. It feels very timely. Those I've actually never been to a conference like that. I never went to C four. I never went to the Singleton thing. Those to me really, really seem great. It seems like this is this is the the best way for people to get up and speak. What I've been to are, the, are, are these generally huge conferences that, that pretty much do do what you're talking about, which is they try to you know make talks that appeal to tons and tons of people, and everyone's sort of disappointed. Uh, I just I just don't like the big conferences anymore. I just don't like them. I right. stopped going to pretty much all conferences uh, a few years ago, mainly you know because I didn't want to get sick, but. <laughs> as a secondary reason I, I just i felt like the the talks were sort of alienating in some ways like I, I didn't you know once in a while you get somebody who's a great speaker you get somebody who's really insightful and and this is the sad thing is that most of the people who who get up there to do their talks they have some really great things to say there are people who are going out on a limb they're you know they're really putting themselves out there to try something and, and deliver a message and I feel like it's easy. It's easy to fail, even when your audience really, really wants you to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, like from being a speaker. I mean, I'm the worst kind of. Uh, my philosophy on giving talks is very, very similar to my philosophy on like how I was in in school, which is I, I prepare as little as possible. I do almost no homework, uh, and I pretty much wing it and guess. And <laughs> I think that my talks, just like my papers that I would write the day before either I'm getting an A or an F, you know, like there's and never given an okay talk. I think they've either been really amazing or they were just like, everybody's like, what the hell is this guy doing up here? Mm, believe me, I know that feeling. <laughs> I, and, and I, which I, I don't those, believe that by the way. No. Well, I, I think I your have, worst, your worst talk mm-hmm. probably Probably pretty good, I would think. Well, I appreciate you saying that, but I mean, I, I, this is uh, probably why I don't get a lot of gigs anymore, but there's something I really, really believe, and it goes to something that we talk a lot about here. It's something Gruber and I talked about in that South by Southwest talk, which actually was a good talk, um, is that something I learned over time is, uh, this is so repetitive, I apologize, but um, you know, the more you try and please everybody, the more likely you are to sort of disappoint almost everyone. That, that if you don't know who it is you're really trying to reach, or, or, or even put differently, if you, if you feel like it's a failure, if you don't reach everybody, you're never going to say anything interesting. And so one thing I, I often say to, to people who I perceive as having, well, one step back, I mean, if I get hired for a gig, like internally, like the metrics that a lot of companies have for whether that went well is like how many people came and they filled out the evaluation, right? There's no way, there's no way that, that they can measure like whether somebody did their work a little bit better in the next few months. Mm-hmm. And that, that's my goal. My goal is something you may never even see. But my goal is even darker than that. My goal is, if, what I'll say to hosts sometimes is, well, just so you know, um, 
my talks are not for everybody. You know, like, well, first of all, I'm still kind of getting good at it. I'm not great at it, but I'm, I'm trying. But I'm trying it in an unconventional way, and I don't really care if I reach everybody. And that's why the 5% of people who, who it might work for are going to really, really like it. Because the, however many percent are not into it, why would me being more boring or more overprepared or more conventional win them over? There's plenty of other people to do that. I'm doing my thing, right? But secretly in my heart, like, and this is a low bar for me, but like, I really feel like if, if there's two people in the audience, I don't care if I talk to him after, I don't care if I know this or not, but if there's like two people in the audience who go, holy crap, uh, this is something I really, really, really need to think about. Well, I'm arrogant enough to think that, that that's a good thing. And I don't think there's that many people, the more profound what you're trying to say is, the less likely that everybody's going to like it. So, I mean, you can say something really inspirational that's extremely general and not very hard to do and everybody will applaud. I just don't think that has a long-term component or component, as you like to say, in yeah. helping people actually change what they do. So maybe when I get better at this stuff, I'll, I'll be more open to the idea of trying to please the world. But that's, that's how I feel. Um, but, but, you know, also, you know, here's the other part of this, though, Dan, is what you're describing. You go in, people got their slide decks. And again, you know, I, I don't want to get too far into the presenter specific stuff because there is a lot of that out there but i mean all the places you go and it's just there's no really there's no attempt to tell a story if there is a story it's that like i really want you to fund my company like you're not really like trying to communicate anything more than your brand a lot of the time which can be really frustrating like some of the best presenters that you encounter at a conference do it a lot because it's the equivalent of their business card and it makes them look really good but i don't i don't I don't think it always does a lot to present anything super meaningful to the audience. And that's okay because people love those kinds of talks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, um, I didn't like the hangover. A lot of people did. That doesn't make any of us bad. It just means that I like a different kind of movie um, than one that a lot of other people liked. I, I don't begrudge people that, you know. Um, but here's the other problem of what you're describing, which is, uh, and this, this, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but this gets to the basic problem of the slide culture um, being self... Um, I'm sorry. I'm sick and I can't think. Are you okay? No, I'll be fine. I don't oh have to throw God. up. I can't even eat my galette. I got you need a whole to lay galette. down? Listen to this. You hear that? I got a whole galette. I haven't even touched it. Oh, man. Uh, you, you, I, I, Are you okay? A lot okay? of the times when I run into something that... Uh, where I, I, I'm not getting to do the presentation that I, I'd like to do the way I'd like to do it stems out of the fact that there are, let's say, maybe planning and scale issues that are extremely favorable to the AV person or to, to the host that may not be so favorable to anybody who's trying to do something more than slap up a PDF with a bunch of words on it. And if that sounds mean, it's because I'm being mean. Um, you know, you don't let the guy with the brooms decide how many elephants can be in the parade. Mm -hmm. And, and if you let, if you let the AV guy be, be the star of a bunch of presentations, well, it's going to be a bummer. So, I mean, the answer there is not to come in and be arrogant and say, oh, do it my way. It is to communicate ahead of time with people. But even when you communicate ahead of time, things change, you know, um, dongles don't show up. Uh, slide projectors change. Like th there's a certain amount of flexibility you have to bring to that. But I really feel like for the slide culture to change, it's going to require, um, on a secondary or more superficial level, a practical level, if you like, a lot more, um, a lot more of everybody being more flexible to creativity 
and to the fact on the other side that hey, you know, your create if your creativity involves like cooking a seven course meal on stage, like that may not work in this environment. And this is why there's some phrases I want to define a little bit. You notice I'm saying here, I'm talking a lot about the story or uh, or or the show. Like you've got the show, you got the story, you got you got the room, right? Right. You're if, to me when you're putting on a show, like there's you and you're the presenter, and then. That's the stuff you have, you have control over. That's what you want to say. It's what you want to like persuade people of or whatever. And then you've got what I would call the room. And the room is all the stuff that you don't have control over, which includes the audience. Uh, it includes, to some extent, you know, the technology. But for you to reach the room, I think you need a story. I think you need the right media. And you need to have some kind of a performance, right? If you don't have a story, like, I can't help you with any of this other stuff. Yeah. Like, to just string a bunch of... Uh, facts and observations together in a row, it doesn't always work. Even, even if you're trying to report third quarter earnings, you know, there's still something you're trying to say. At the end, somebody shouldn't be standing there going, so what? Well, what was the point of that? I mean, then why didn't you just give me a PDF or why didn't you just send me an Excel spreadsheet? You know, if there's not a story, then, then why did we do this? And it doesn't even have to be a story like with a character. It just has to be, what is a story in general? I mean, some people say there's one kind of story. Some people say there's two kinds of stories. Something, there's 36 kinds of stories. I think the main kind of story is someone is presented with an almost impossible situation and we learn a lot about them by how it turned out. Mm. That's what almost every story is. And uh, every story is about change. It's about we were here and then we end up here. And what, what was different? So that works to me, that idea works in a lot of different contexts. But if you're not telling a story, it's hard to make a real connection. Because, you know, and, and, and again, the slide culture or the presentation culture right now encourages or discourages that kind of connection between the presenter and the audience. Um, you know, it ends up, it ends up, you get, end up, if you're, if you're starting with things like, you know, old basic templates that won't break on every platform, if you're ending up with like, well, and yeah, we told you we could you could run audio, but now something changed and we can't do that. You have to stand at this podium. You have to hold a hand mic. Uh, we're, we didn't mention that we're taping this with a weird lens, so you literally can't move. <laughs> like these are the kinds of things. I mean, I, not to bitch, but I've I've had some really weird examples of this. I've gotten into places where it turned out they were going to do like a WebEx, and so they'd have to install you know well, not just WebEx. It could be go to me or whatever. They had to install this really exotic, not natively Mac software even if I got to use my own machine, in which case I probably was just running PDFs, captures my whole screen, I can't do any notes, right? A lot of places, they don't, they don't have, they're so confused if you want a secondary notes monitor. Yeah. That sounds so fancy. Why? Why, why, why would that seem weird to them? Because everybody reads their slides off the screen and they don't need a notes monitor, right? And to me, what, what, the, the pictures up on the screen are for the audience. The words that help me know my transitions and what I want to say, my big points... That's, they don't need to see that. Right. The, the bullets are for me. The pictures are for them. But again, I mean, it's a chicken and the egg problem. You know, I don't think we solved this all in one day, but I, I think to move toward better patterns for this stuff, there's things you can do. So, so to me, the, 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 connection that you, the connection thing is real, though. Like, I, I find myself um, adapting what I'm saying based on how the audience is reacting. Right. right. So, so how, do you, how do you do them when you're up there, then, if, you're, if you kind of have a... So you're saying, I mean, the only way to do that, if I understand what you're saying right, the only way to adapt it is either you've prepared multiple versions of what you're going to say, or you've got to be winging a bunch of this. Um, yes, that's, that, that is a totally sane way to look at it, especially if you think a slide deck is the star of the show, which unfortunately most people believe. And for a lot of people, that's fine. 
Like, I, and I don't want to sound like I'm saying slides aren't good, but it's kind of like that back to that old thing about ski poles. Like, who, who really needs them? Well, the, the problem is that most slides exist B, because people demand them. It's like Germans not getting cake after a meal. They get very angry. Really? You slides, people think you're an idiot. But A, it's really for the presenter in most cases because they don't know the story. They don't know their talk. They don't, they don't know the essential parts that have to be in or left out in order to tell the story. Once you know the story well enough, God willing, the slides become a way of supporting that story and supporting that connection. So the whole thing of like, well, what do you do? Do you need multiple versions? Well, not really. I mean... Uh, it's one reason that I won't, you know, people are always like, you know, one of the things I hate, one of these anti patterns that drives me nuts is like two weeks before I go somewhere, they'll, like, they'll go like, send us your slides. And I'm like, ugh, like, what do you mean? Like, do you want, so what? It's just to go through legal sometimes. Is this because you want to like just kind of make sure that I'm really working on this, which it is sometimes? Uh, please tell me this is not so you can put it into a handout that'll go with everybody else's slideshow because that's death. That's death. That, that's like walking into a theater to watch a film and handing out scripts to everybody in the audience so they can follow along. That's nuts. But that's, that's the way, that's the slide problem. And in my case, like, you know, I, I, I spend a fair amount of time on the, these things. And I, I want the transitions, not just flame transitions and stuff, but I, 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 I mean, I'm so not tightly wound about so many things. But like, if I'm going to run my slides, I don't want you to notice my hand hitting the button at when I'm finishing this word and not that word. I, I want, in order for this to work, you could even think of it, in order for the joke to be funny, it needs to seem like I don't notice the slide just changed. Mm. So I don't know if that makes sense, but like a lot of times you go somewhere and, and the beats of the transitions and the beats of the message are identical to the beats of the slides because that's how we've been trained to think. You know, slide three, where I make my third point or whatever. And with me, I'm much more into that idea of like, like Stephen Colbert you know, where he's got the graphic, he's talking, and then the graphic changes behind him, and mm -hmm. it's almost like a Greek chorus kind of mm -hmm. disagreeing with him. Yeah. And so I love the idea, and so one of my bits, uh, this is a bit that I do, but I'll start talking, and I'll get, I'll get real intense about something, and talking, and talking, and talking, and I start talking really fast. The slide changes. Nothing changes about how I'm talking. I'm still talking really fast. But suddenly, the more interesting thing is not me talking really fast, but what the slide behind me is saying that's much funnier than what I'm saying. So it becomes like a partner. Now here's the problem. When somebody says, send me your slides, there's no way for me to present that, what that slide or that whatever, that piece of media. See, even slide, like, what does that mean? Like, you know, these aren't slides. This is, you don't put these in your Kodak carousel. They're, you know, these are, these are visual, audio, multimedia support for telling a story, right? So if I send you a PDF with all the transitions removed and no context for what it means, so I send you a slide with a generic Apple uh, gradient on it with the word care on it. Okay, here's my slide. What does it mean? Like, I feel like if I see slides and they make a lot of sense without the presentation, I, I can pretty much guess it's not going to be that great of a talk. Not always true. Not always true. There are some people who are really good, the guy Kawasaki's of the world, who are really super tight. They put their one thing up there especially when you're beginning, you should say what your point is on the slide. That never hurts. But in my case, if I put up a picture of something, a photograph, uh, like there's this one photo of a douchebag that I use in every presentation I've ever done. It's, it's kind of like my Wilhelm scream. <laughs> like, the, you know what I mean? You've probably seen it. The guy, he's like biting his lip and doing the, uh, the devil's horns. And uh, I bought it for that uh, flocked up presentation, but I've used it 
from my stock photo, but I've used it in er- almost every single presentation. I always get a laugh from that and because I, I always put something slightly different on it that he's saying, right? But if you just saw that by itself, you go, you're imagining in your head that Merlin goes, and I believe that the point I'm trying to make is best typified by this next slide, which I think you'll find humorous. Hold for a laugh. <laughs> All right, so I'm rambling a little, but uh, I, I think, I'm, again, and it's, let me also just say, I'm not saying everybody should do stuff like I do. It's just that for me, I, I, I've done like a fair amount of this in the last five years, and I'm still struck by how, um, how the expectations uh, inside of this culture are so unvarying and how the inflexibility of the speakers and the inflexibility of the host and the platform in some ways lead to a really make it really hard to be creative, make it really hard to be different. And, and, you know, if you're going to bring, pay somebody to bring them in to do this, like, well, and you don't, and you don't want them to like have that personality up there. Like, A, why would you ever hire someone like that? And B, why don't you just send out their slides, you know, offer them 20 bucks to get a copy of their slides and just send it to everybody. Right. If you think that's what the message is, well, no, the, the value is in the connection, which you make on stage in the moment. If you went out to dinner with somebody who you'd never met before, would you just read off index cards what your pitch is? Mm-hmm. Well, no, you'd listen to what they said. In my case, I watch their faces. I see who laughs. I see who doesn't laugh. I see who's mad. I see how many people make this noise. Mm. That's a great noise to hear when you're a presenter because that means somebody just went, ow, my heart hurts. Mm. And then when I hear that a lot of people make that noise, I stop for a second. And that works. <laughs> but if I'm in a situation where like, uh, I'll give you an example. Yes. Okay. This is nothing against my host. I had such a great time at this conference. I had so much fun. Um, I just don't read my email well enough. And uh, I, I, so, so let's take it as read that like a big part of this stuff working well is a huge amount of communication between um, the hosts and the speakers. The thing is, usually when you are communicating and they'll say every great, every great conference, every great, you know, organizer will say, what are your tech requirements? And to be honest, my tech requirements are on the face of it incredibly simple. What I, what I say is I've got a MacBook Air. I bring all my own dongles. If you've got VGA, we're good to go. Uh, in my case, I don't have any audio. I don't have any video. Um, I say two things. Like I, I really need to have run my own slides and have my Mac as a secondary monitor. Like I know you'll have something there, but I, I want to see it. I want to control this, right? I want to, you know, I, I need my monitor. I need to run this. And I really, really, really prefer a lavalier mic, which is one of those little clip-on mics. Do you like right? the one that it goes in your ear and it has the I do not. Sort of the Tom Cruise in Magnolia-esque. That's how I imagine your stuff is. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Those are uh, called countryman mics. And anybody who's seen the Webstock talk knows that because I have freak ears, no countryman mic has ever stayed on my head. Dude, show me your ear. Here, look. Oh, that is freaky. Yeah. So the game, they have one, luckily at the Combine Conference, there was a really good mic rigger. I'm going to make up that term. He did a pretty good job getting it on and it mostly stayed on. But I'm still really self-conscious of that. That's fine. I'll take a countryman over a handheld mic any day. I'll take a handheld mic over having to stand at a podium with a little stick mic. How is that not death? I can't believe you could have a, not, and this was not the case in this place, but like, I cannot believe how many places I go where, where the AV club guy goes, well, here's your podium. The podium doesn't move, of course. You, here's your podium. The mic is on the podium. Don't move because it's a unidirectional mic. Uh, also, don't move because you'll be out of the lighting. Um, and, uh, you know, you should probably uh, run your Mac in mirror mode. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how is this going to turn out great? 
You know what I mean? But that's, but the thing is that makes things easy for those folks, which gets back to this earlier point, which is if you, if you're trying to run a conference at scale, you do need some stuff to go the same. Now, now the way they did it at WebStock was brilliant where basically they were, they had like um, the equivalent of like, was it a live aid where they could just flip the stage around? They made it so that like the computer was set up. There was like no transition time. It was just so easy. You could still use your own box, but everything was all set up and all they had to do basically was change a cord and everything was running. It was fantastic. It was so great. But the solutions other folks have to that are sometimes things like, in the worst case, send us your PDF or give it to us on a thumb drive, and you know, which of course means no transitions, it means no bullets, it, it means images occasionally move behind you as you're talking. But um, and I don't know, I'm not trying to slag this, but like th- what made me think about it this in the last week was the way they did it at this show was you did have to give them your slides. It could be keynote slides or whatever. Had to use standard fonts because they didn't have the f- fonts that I've licensed oh, to be in there. Um, so that one, I already I can't do that, right? Um, but the way they did it was like you hit a remote and the remote sends a signal to someone to change the slide for you. And um, that's... It's like so a Rube ter- Goldberg... Like a little well, and ball like I, again, I was the only fruitcake that was wakes like lemon oh. grab up, right? Exactly. And then the, the marble falls down the tube, yeah. and like and the thing was, I was probably the only yo-yo there who was like, "Oh, oh man, I'm so not going to do that. I'm not going to have slides because there's no, there's no way I could do that. There's no way." Like I, I, uh, and it's nothing against anybody, but like that's an example though of like, well, that worked great in the sense that all of the presentations were on the one machine. It reduces. The, but it's a trade-off, right? You're not going to be able to go up there and be all Tom Coates if you're counting on somebody else to, to do the nanosecond perfect timing of, of when something changes during the talk, right? So, you know, to, to just to give some extreme examples, I mean, like, when you would see Steve Jobs do a talk, you know, he never had to yell out, slide! Like, <laughs> you know, they never made Seth Godin, like, st- stand in a garbage can with a spotlight on him. Part of the reason that guy owns the stage is because he moves around. He's like a magician. You know, he's got a candle on stage. You know, he's doing this stuff where, you know, a lot of places would go like, well, sorry, you know, you can't, you can't have a candle in here. So he'd have to adapt. Now, yeah, that absolutely means flexibility in the speakers. And, and if you're going to do really fruity stuff outside of what most people expect, it helps to be really communicative ahead of time. And it absolutely helps to have a backup, like a contingency plan. So if I'm doing a talk that I've done a lot and the slides are what I would call mature, you know, if, if my deck is something I've done a lot, I absolutely, I zip up um, a version in Keynote and email it to myself and put it on Dropbox. And I usually try to, I don't always get this, especially if it's a new talk, but I always keep a version of it in PDF form that doesn't have transitions and won't look goofy. And I, I have that on a thumb drive or I'll sometimes like minutes before the talk uh, or like before I leave the hotel, Pardon me. I'll, I'll, I'll email that to the host. So in a zip file. Do you know what I mean? So like, if anything goes horribly wrong, there is a backup plan. But it, it doesn't get to the deeper point. So yes, flexibility on all fronts. Awesome. But what it really means is the presenter has to know the story so well that if the power goes off, you could still hold the room. And if you're depending on slides to do all of that for you, you can't do that. That's the irony. If you're going to do slides, why not make them awesome? But you also need to be such a good presenter and such a communicative presenter that you don't need the slides. That's, and that's, that's kind of the hard part. But I think, I think the practicality is that for a lot of people, that's, this is going to be very hard to do um, because the environment's not set up for it. Hmm. I got more on this, but we should talk about our uh, sponsor. Okay. Want to talk about the Squarespace? Oh, I like them. 
Mm-hmm. Did you know they just uh, they're doing this uh, brand new version of Squarespace? Did you know that? I have not received my. Uh, you know, they're giving out the invites daily, but I haven't gotten mine. But I'm so excited about version six. Yeah, it's what do you know about deal. version six? Here's it's a we, really big deal. This is all I know. It's there, there's some total of what I know. That these guys, uh, they've been making content management systems for seven years. Uh, they've been working on this new version for a year and a half. And it is a ground-up uh, rewrite. This is all I know. That's all you know? That's, that's the entirety? That's all I know about this new thing. I haven't tried it yet. Try it? Well... I've seen pictures. I've seen a little walkthrough. Yeah. Well, the, the, their blog posts about this are very tantalizing. Um, and unlock, unlike a lot of pre-announcements that, that feel like vapor... Uh, I can just tell you they're definitely working on this. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah, this is real. Uh, but uh, this is not what they told us to say. But um, they are mm, obsessed with stuff not breaking. I mean, I, I haven't heard them say this in so many words, but it's my impression that above all else, stuff shouldn't break. Right. So that goes down to their design design decisions about, you know, you can't go in and directly touch the HTML, which is brilliant. Um there's all kinds of things to what they do that provide provide avenues for you to not screw yourself up and not let the world screw you up. So I, I think that they're, my gut is that they're really careful. And that's really frustrating to some people. People who've gotten used to this whole like fake beta culture where it really just means spread the word by giving out these invites. Um, no, they're serious. This is what they do for a living. Uh, and and again, uh, the neat thing is that it's not like version five is sitting still. They, they continue to add awesome new stuff. They they've got stuff in there. I keep just like dis- discovering that I didn't even realize was there. Like, um, you know, they have a really neat file management section that'll do all this this cool stuff. Uh, I host you know some small files there. They'll host your images and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. You know, what's really cool is you can go in and you can have the name of like foo foo twenty three dot ping, but you could also say um, you can give it a real name. So that whenever you're like looking for it and doing stuff with it, you know what I mean? It's got a real name that isn't just some inscrutable file name. But also stuff like if you accidentally delete things, you can recover elements for a certain, they have like a recycling bin. Um, but the version 6 thing, like you say, it is a ground up. It's, I don't know. I don't, did, did they want us to talk about the version 6? Is that okay? I, I saw it on their blog. So yeah. I figured that we can talk about it. It's yeah. exciting. The only reason I check my email anymore is to see if I got that invite because I'm so excited. <laughs> right. um, it's going to be great. But I mean, you know, it, it's worth just underscoring, even as we get into this nerd stuff, it's worth underscoring the basic message, which is just how simple this stuff is to set up. Um, but inside of that simplicity, um, how, how much power there is. And then, and then flexibility, you know. I was talking about those little widgets, like how easy it is to just go in and set up a little widget. And, you know, for somebody uh, like me, who I've been interested in CMSs. Actually, I think as we speak, my site is screwed up. I don't know it why. It is screwed up, too. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Oh, wait, it's back, it's back again. It's back again. I don't think I understand no, the internet. it's back. That's weird. Now there's a big Instapaper. Oh, did you sell those, those guys? Huh? There's a big well, Instapaper logo up there. Acquisition. You ever looked at that icon? You ever look at it? I have. Do you, do you, do you, do you know? The well, look at, the, look at how, look, when you click about. Well, look at that. Well, where's the... All I'm saying is, do you, do you know what's on that icon? It's a big letter I. Mm-hmm. Can't miss and, it. And something I wrote. That's something I wrote that Marco put on the icon. Isn't that nice? That's cute. And one of the headlines is, you look nice today. This is why I like Marco. That's the thing I do with Adam. Um, I thought I was familiar uh, with everything Adam did. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Squarespace.com. Yeah, their stuff doesn't break. This is my own fault. I got I to I fix my Drupal. I got to fix my Drupal. 
I think my my Drupal is like uh, like a Led Zeppelin three era release. I got I got to fix it. They got they got um, an app for for iOS, iPhone, and iPad, and it works. It works. Android app. Mm-hmm. And, and Android for the Gina Trapani's among you. Hmm. You know you got to test that on, on lots of different things when you do the Android. You can hmm. post your blog. You manage comments. See oh, statistics. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and, and I feel like. I feel like a broken record about this. Uh, I, I just I wish people would just go in and give it a spin because it's when I talk about how I used to you know love playing with CMSs and we I made the crack about whatever PHP Nuke and uh, gosh what was the really really like oh god Plone was it Plone that ran uh, slash dot I think it was Plone 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 Snickers bar <laughs> somebody came up to me at the conference and goes Bluetooth. <laughs> I almost peed myself. Did I mean, you? not like not like in the way I usually do, but but like it was so nice. But um, anyway, check out. <laughs> so anyway, urine. Uh, check out Squarespace. Uh, I believe that uh, these guys are not jackals. Uh, they have offered a, a, a despite being from uh, Manhattan, they've offered a discount code. Is that correct, Dan Benjamin? They have provided us with a, dis- a discount code mm-hmm. that. Uh, well, I, I have my own, but I believe that you you have one. But it, what, you, what the you di- meaning us? Well, you, you and us, but I mean, this one is customized. It has your name in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd said this to them. You know, you know, I I always love when you do the uh, the Jim th- Jim Cadell thing with the uh, um, uh, heard it from Dan. Like, I, I like the fact they went in and made a special codes for yeah. the shows. This yeah. is how these guys roll. Uh, Squarespace dot com slash back to work. Uh, all letters, one uh, one word, and uh, you can go in there. And uh, if you want to want to give this a spin, twenty uh, percent off for six months. Is for that correct? Six months. Yeah. And the, the, the code, the, the coupon code, the checkout code, it's a code of some kind. Uh, and it is, it is uh, Merlin Loves Us. Merlin Loves Us. Mm-hmm. That's semantic. Because it's true. That's where you go. Yeah. Yeah. But go in there. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're one of those nerds that's, that's, that's uh, out there rolling your own stuff like Dan, like, you know, you can, you can tweak stuff the way you want with that with your rails and whatnot. But, you know, I, I'm not great at this stuff, but I've done it for a long time. And I'm just sick to death of dealing with this stuff. <laughs> I'm just so tired of updating things and, or hiring people to update things. And I've lost my zest for doing that stuff. Mm. And so I, I just love doing stuff on uh, Square. I really do love doing stuff on Squarespace now because it helps me concentrate more on, like, on doing the stuff and, and less on thinking about like, how I'll do the stuff right, or which module I'll use to do the stuff. Um, anyway, check it out. Uh, squarespace.com slash back to work. And uh, we thank Squarespace very much for supporting 5 by 5 and Back to Work. Did you notice, like, you never asked me to do that. You know, I just started doing that on my own. What? That nice thing I say at the end. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, this is covering anything good. Are you all right? I'm all right. I'm just reading. I'm on the... Um, you need to lay okay. down. So, so here's what I did. And like I say, this is nothing. I've had I've had I've had things a hundred times worse than this happen uh, with 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 slides or whatever. But and the horrible thing is my my this is how this is how like how weird I am is that if I feel any twinge that um, a consideration involving slides or presentation or whatever, like I'll just start throwing stuff out. Like in my case, I'll just go. You know what? No slides. Because now, like, <laughs> I do not want to be thinking about if my slides are going to be okay, right? Or I don't want to be thinking about if I don't have my secondary monitor. And, you know, bad on me for liking the secondary monitor. If I'd memorized this and heard the world's lamest presentation and I could just recite it, I wouldn't need that. But I'm always tweaking that. And, and just as a tip, 
I mean, one, I think one of the best things you can do if you, if you do have to do slides as part of your presentation is really use that notes field on the secondary monitor. It's so great. And make it really big. So in my case, what I usually do, and this, is, this has been so helpful for me, is uh, I, I write down in big letters, like, is there one point I particularly want to make on this slide? You know, I could have three bullets on there, but the one thing, the word, even a single word, not the, not a, not an, but like the noun or the verb, that is the first thing I want to say about this is big and bold somewhere in that notes field. And then this is a, you know, a pro tip, but like the last thing I do is the first words I want to come out of my mouth on the next slide are at the bottom with a little arrow, right? So I don't, I don't have to wait for the next slide to come up to know what I'm going to say. Does, does that make any sense? It does. Like it's, it's all, you know, I'm trying to think of an example of stuff like this. But the point is, like, if you, do, if you get into this slide culture, it's, it's so stifling because you do start to, to, as they say, talk to the slides, right? You start really relying on the thing that the audience sees to tell you what you should do, right? And, and you know, like, like you wouldn't, you, again, you wouldn't show a script on a screen just because it makes it easier for you to understand the movie. Like, it's your job to do the show. And to make the connection, it needs to not feel like, you're taking somebody through this 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 death march that you're worried won't go well. So in my case, like I, I got, I was a little bit, you know, and this is not just the peculiar to this. I've done this a dozen times. I just said, you know what, um, I'm not going to do slides. I'm going to change what I'm doing a little bit and try to adapt to that. Introduce other kinds of things, and so that's what I did. And I like how it turned out. It feels like a cop out sometimes. But, uh, and you know what, really, if I were a total grown up about this, the best thing I could do would be to, to always have my slides done a month ahead of time and in a ready PDF format, right? There's a lot of ways I could do that so that I always was the ideal presenter that had the slides done, but that's not my goal. Like my goal is to be lively. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and to be able to, to, to do stuff with the audience. And if I'm obsessing over whether my transition's going to work in this aspect ratio, I'm not looking at the faces and I'm not thinking about what I want to say next. If I'm thinking about like how I'm stuck behind this podium, well, if I'm behind a podium with that stick mic, I, I feel like a minister. And, you know, we're, we're back into this horrible model of the presenter basically being like some kind of a, like an expert who's going to like uh, pour wisdom into this vessel, you know, represented by the audience. And, and I think that that's kind of an implicit model, uh, you know, for most slideshows. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you feel that way, but so yes, the printer, uh, I think the presenter has to prepare you have, above all, all else you have to know what the story you're trying to say is. Yes. Communicate with people. Oh my God. If you're a Mac person for the love of Christ, always bring your own dongles or your, your own whatevers and make sure they work. Um, bring one or two slide changers and check that the batteries, you know, are, are, this sounds dumb, but you know, that can suck. Uh, and in most places it goes fine. You know, if you can get to VGA, you can get to almost anywhere. It is good to have backups. Um, but then you also do have to be flexible because, because things will go wrong. But here's the thing. If you remember rule number one, know what your story is, you can still have a good show. I mean, one of my favorite presentations I've ever done I, I don't think the audience liked it for, for reasons that are, that are my fault in a lot of ways. But like, if you watch that video for that talk I did at Rutgers, which was really, really, really long, that was one of my favorite talks because I ended up saying a bunch of stuff that wasn't on the slides, right? It was all the stuff that was on my mind. Uh, and if I'd followed the slides, if my slides had worked, and it was just like there was like three different problems with the tech, 
some mine, some theirs. The point is, like that was that turned out to be a great presentation in retrospect. Like a bunch of people have seen that on the internet and really liked it. And it, you know, it turned out really well because whether I knew it or not, I, it turned out I did know the story. It just wasn't the story that was on the slides. So, I mean, you don't do that the first time your slides don't work. You're yeah. going to have to do this a lot. But the st- that story and that connection is what you should always be focusing on. If you're thinking about whether your slide clicker is going to go, oh, did you hit two to the third bullet instead of the second? Like, if you're obsessing over that, you're distracting the audience and you're potentially missing what the story is. That's that's all. And then I've got a, I've got my little miniature bitch list here, uh, which I've kind of already covered. Um, flexibility on the host thing. I mean. If it's, if, if it's at all conceivable, I would say for me, let the presenter use their own equipment, use their own computer or whatever, use their own remote. Um, if it's at all possible, I think that helps a lot. Well, tell me something, why wouldn't it be possible? If you've got 10 presenters in a day hmm. and you're going to have to, you want to minimize, like the other thing that sucks at, at these shows is like, um, well, just to give you uh, an example, like I, I was at a place once where this guy who would present himself as a professional speaker, all right, he's this guy who was, it was at an educational conference and this guy was going to go on right before me and he, he called the host who, who I was talking to at the time and she was clearly like ashen after the call and he said, so, um, can I get a PC or something to show my slides on? And, and she was like, you're kidding. And he's like, well, no, I generally just, you know. Uh, I just download my slides and just, you know, whatever. So he had never even mentioned that he didn't have his own box. Mm. He, he just assumed, which is a crazy thing to assume. I mean, I would just always assume to, to bring everything you could potentially need. But um, why wouldn't you? Because, like I say, it, it is easier to do the transitions. You know, um, for example, uh, it's a real pain. You ever been there where somebody has to try and get the aspect ratio for the slides yeah. and the screen shape? Oh. That seems small, but it can be such a pain. I don't care what kind of computer you're on. You got to get the mirror mode right. Like, you know, you otherwise, like, still, I've always said this as a, as a joke, but it's true. I feel like every time I turn my Mac on, the audience immediately sees the keynote application with all the slides rather than, you know, it seems like 50% of the time that would turn out right. But then I got to go into displays, which now I can't see because it's on the other monitor where my mouse is and you feel like a jerk. Like, all that stuff is complicated. And, and it's the, it's the downside of the creativity because if I want to have, um, uh, what was the one I was using? Um, uh, 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 the one that's not Clarendon, the one I really like. Oh, shoot. What is that Heffler and Frere Jones font I use? But like, if I want to use like a really pretty font without having to, you know, make it a graphic, well, what happens if, if I put that on somebody else's machine, even if it's a Mac? What's going to show up is Helvetica and the line breaks are going to be wrong. There's a presentation I did one time where um, they didn't have the dongle for the computer I had at Macworld, and I had to use Gruber's. I was using a, a really new version of Keynote. He was using the previous one. I mean, you ever seen a Keynote where it'll auto resize? Oh yeah. In the field, it's a great feature, but he didn't have it on his, and I had lazily kept it. I'd never manually gone in and changed the size, so when it was on his computer, everything was all blown out. Right? These are the kinds of things that happen. Um, and so from a, from, if I were producing one of these shows, I could definitely see the temptation of going, give us PDFs or get this, like, you know, you're going to have to use standard fonts and so on and so on and so mm. on. But coming at this from the, from the standpoint, the incredibly arrogant standpoint of saying, no, like if this is going to be good, like I'm a performer and this is a show. Well, I think w- where possible, it's nice for people to use their own box, um, and in their own way and control and control the slides in their own way. 
You know, if they want to make a point about going, you know, the, I've got a pretty cool remote that I like that'll do stuff like black out the screen. It, it works really well with Keynote. It actually, it's such a cool remote that it's got a little flip, uh, not a flip, what do you call it? Like a three-way switch um, by the battery thing. What is this thing called? Uh, I want to say it's not a Kensington. It's, it's actually like a Targus because I'd forgotten my Kensington. And I had to run to an office place. I'll find out. I'll put it up. Um, it's a great remote. And, and one of the things, so the point is you can flip between PowerPoint features and Keynote features, which is so um, badass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like these buttons mean you can lock it on and off, but the, I love the blackout thing. I don't use it much, but I love that it's there. Like if I just want to talk for a minute toward the end, I'll black it out because I don't want something behind me that I said five minutes ago. Right. And uh, you can always bring it back. Um, you know what's really cool though is it's got the uh, USB dongle. Is so you flip off the battery cover on the back, and there's two battery slots and a tiny little USB dongle. The USB dongle fits into this little slot, and then your battery is in one of the battery slots. But you know what? It's got an extra battery slot with no contacts because that's where you put your spare battery. Nice. And it's not one of those watch batteries. It runs a AAA. It's totally cool. Anyway, that's all nerd stuff, but like that's nice to have. Now, most people, you show up, they're going to have a slide thing for you. But like, for example, at, at, at WebStock, for, for reasons I still don't know, my slide thing didn't work, so I ended up having to use the space bar. Well, a bunch of people still like that talk, even though the countryman mic was falling off my head, even though I looked like a hobo, and even though I had to hit a space bar. Now, you know, you can not like that, like that talk because you thought it was um, a little morose and I cried too much, but like, I don't think that many people were bothered by me having to hit the space bar. And then I tried to find a way to kind of work that into the thing and make that part of the rhythm. I don't know if it turned out great, but that's what happens when you do it a lot. So yes, you have to respond well. Okay, quick bitch list to finish this. Uh, hosts, please um, let people have a notes monitor. Right, because you know why? It's hard to get a notes monitor. It's hard because some places it's I don't know why. I guess it's real hard to keep that signal split. Every Mac does this fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So basically, if you run an a a, a, a DVI or a, a VGA, regardless, whatever, out of a Mac running Keynote, you say on this screen that is going to the slide projector, show my slide. I I, I know most of you know this, but you would not believe how many people don't know this. Mm. On your secondary monitor, you've got what's called presenter mode. And you can arrange this however you want. It shows you, and you can make these different sizes. It can show you the current slide and the next slide. It'll show you how long it's been since in time since this uh, slideshow started. It'll show you, you can set a timer and say, how much time do I have left? And it has notes, which I always make huge, like 36-point Helvetica that I can read from far away. And so you don't have to look up your slides and go, did the transition work? It'll even show a little blinking bar, a little blinking light to say, don't hit it again. It's still transitioning. You don't see it on your presenter monitor. It's so helpful. Um, so, and they even have a practice mode, like a rehearsal mode in Keynote. So you can just look at that screen to rehearse your slides. And it's a, such a terrific way to do it. Um, another thing that I have, is just in passing, if you're doing this speaking stuff, I have a really cool app called, I think it's called Presenter Clock. I've got it for iPad and iPhone. And I, I think it's really neat. Um, you go in and you say how long you want to talk. So you set that for 40 minutes, for example. And then you tell it, uh, when I have N minutes left, make the numbers turn to, say, yellow. And when I have two minutes left, make the numbers turn to red. And you can either keep it in your pocket or you could put it somewhere where you can see it. And so all you have to do is glance down. And so if the numbers are still green, you know you're not up to, you know what I mean? Yes. You, can set, you can set it to vibrate. 
um, which I do often. I'll put it in my pocket and it'll let me know. So you don't have to think about that. If, if you know, A lot of times you do have a very strict amount of time to talk and it's very useful to have that. The thing I'm worst about of all things is running over. It's something I try so hard not to do anymore because it's really rude. Um, but having that on the stage, looking at you, staring at you, going, okay, you're in red, you're in two minutes, start wrapping it up. Um, great tools. But it, it doesn't get you away from the more basic point, which is you, know, you have to know your stuff so well and this goes straight back to the first thing we talked about at the beginning, which is the story part. Again, that book, Beyond Bullet Points, there's a lot in it that's kind of silly and repetitive, but the basic idea of realizing you have to figure out what you're trying to make the audience want to do or think differently. And so that's your job to then tell a story that supports that. Well, that's, that's what this is about. It isn't just a matter of going out and, you know, you really, to go back to that uh, Jack Hart idea of the theme, you should be able to have a transitive sentence that describes what you're up there to say, right? Um, like for what would mine be for the priority talk? Um, 27. Yeah. Well, you know, in transitive sentences, that's the hard part. But something like, you know, um, care precedes priority, mm. Right. You can't focus until you care, whatever, something like that. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. Anyway, um, and this sounds kind of mean, but I'm just going to say this because I cannot believe how often this is the case. It's, it's so often the AV person who ultimately is running the show. You know, where, where the, 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 I understand it's hard work. It's like being a sysadmin and having people want to like be able to run their games or whatever. I'm just saying that like sometimes people are, people are scared of the AV guy or gal. And they, they are frequently like extremely firm. Like I, I, I'm not somebody who's an anxious speaker of all of my faults. I, I can talk about stuff forever, like no problem. But like, I, I can't believe people who are nervous about talking to have to go up there and have the AV person yell at them about all this stuff oh, and don't, don't stand this way. Make sure you're here. Don't click that when this starts, when I put up my five fingers, you know, all this stuff. Cause you know, right before you go on stage, a lot of people are pretty nervous. And then to add all that anxiety of like giving you this set of rules in this sort of taciturn voice, it's no fun. It's really no fun. So, but it again, you know, you do that 10 times and pretty soon you're going to try and please the AV guy rather than the audience. You're going to worry less about story than making Van Hoot happy. And so, I mean, everybody all around, the improvement that I'm looking for in all of this is yes, better preparation and communication on a tactical level. But I think uh, above all else, agreeing that this is a show. Right when I say that to people, I, I know I sound like a real fruitcake, but I I think it should be a show whether whether it's about Q three results or or about care or about scaling across the enterprise. I think there should be something where you're trying to say something to people rather than talking to a screen. And so that's mostly what I wanted to say. I don't have an exact super simple way to do that. I mean, I think it benefits everybody. If you get better at presentations, you get better at storytelling. If you do a lot of presentations. Uh, you get less nervous about presentations. So doing these things a lot, going to these Ignite kinds of things, that's not a bad idea. I think getting good at that is all great. These problems do become minimized as you do it a lot, but I think a lot of them still exist because that pressure is still always there. Well, this guy didn't have a problem with his slides. Well, that's because that guy didn't try. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Um, So anyway, slides. You know what what really sucks? What's that mean? Q&A. It's the worst. Q&A. You don't like that part? Oh, man. Well, it's not that I don't like it. It's the point, like, when's the last Q&A that you loved? Uh, so, so you go up there and... Doing like, it or watching it? Well, like, in my case, I, you know, and whatever. Like, I, I'm, again, I try to have a nice, dramatic ending to everything I do. I'm not always great at it, 
I don't always know exactly where it's going to end. I let the audience's responses tell me when it's time to end. Not just because they're shuffling and looking nervous and looking at their phones, but more because I feel like I've said the things that I wanted to say and I've seen enough that they're reacting the way I hoped that they would react. And sometimes in the moment, often is not, I decided at the last minute that there's something I wanted to say that I didn't know I wanted to say. In the case of this talk I did the other day, uh, I said this thing, I said once on the show here, and I really didn't realize I was saying it until it was coming out of my mouth because I thought I was done talking about priorities. And I said that thing where I said, you know, that there are going to be people around you who have demands on your time and attention, and you've got to deal with that. But keep in mind, in the context of scarcity, that you're, no one's ever going to be satisfied with how quickly you're becoming the person they expect you to become. Uh. You're never not going to have that. Like, you don't, that's not optional. It's not negotiable. You don't get to decide that this week nobody's allowed to expect that of you because, sorry, people will always expect that of you. And instead of acting like that doesn't exist, figure out how okay you are with living up to those other people's expectations because it's still your time and it's still your attention. And I was like, thank you. That was, and that's, I knew in my heart, I knew that was the place to stop. I don't know if that worked in the room. I hope it did. If I see a video for that, it might tell me. But, you know, if, if I was nervous about whether my slide for that was going to be okay, I couldn't have responded to what I felt in the room, in the audience. I don't control any of that. All I contro- control is what my side of that is going to be in trying to help them think and feel uh, that what I'm saying is uh, is a real thing that, that is already a part of their life. And hopefully in the last 40 minutes now you realize that. Yeah. And then they say, okay, anybody have any questions? And you're like, oh, God. Because nobody has any questions. People never have questions. There's no questions. The question is, like, somebody didn't like the talk and they want to sound smart. Or, uh, which is fine, but I mean, like, that takes away from the showness of it. So, here's my tip. If you do have Q&A, talk to your host about it. Make sure that somebody you met, maybe you met in a bar the night before, like, say to you, look, look. There's going to be a point when there's going to be Q&A. And I want you to ask a really good question. And if you need an idea, here's a really good thing to ask me a question about. The other thing you can do is say, like I try to do is to say, uh, uh, a lot of what I say is, is very opinionated and a lot of it is wrong. And so I would really welcome your anecdotes and comments that relate to what we said. Did any of this make sense to you? Did any of this sound crazy to you? Like it's not going to hurt my feelings if you make remarks about that. That is way more useful because what is question and answer? Question and answer says that I'm like this yogi up on the mountain and you're some poor sucker who needs clarification. Well, no. I mean, the talk worked or it didn't. Like, what are their questions about? And, and then what, what can I have answers about? Um, yeah, there could be clarifications. But I think it's usually death. And it peters off. You know, until somebody has a sense to go, well, we got time for one more. Can we get the mic over there? And <laughs> I just want to say how <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's now everybody's like trailing out there's no show anymore right right what like about what of, about instead of that like uh you know meeting up with everybody in like a little area outside the conference room or something do they what about that signing I think, autographs I, I, I so encourage that uh, by virtue you of the bring fact like a that, sharpie and, and sign whatever people put in front of you or, or do you want them to bring the pens i signed some stuff i signed some nice stuff yeah nice people nice people i think i made an seo guy feel bad i feel kind of bad about that but um did you uh, slap him or something jeez no worse no worse i didn't know he was an seo guy i made an seo joke he was, <laughs> he was really super nice <sighs> um no that's a great idea and I, you know, I gotta tell you i think 
I've tried to, as I do more of this stuff, I'm not trying to pimp this, whatever, who cares? But like when I do these things now, I really try to build in where possible, either on the front or the end time to hang with nerds. Cause that's always my, my favorite part. And the people who theoretically want me to be there and as opposed to being mad that I'm there, like I want to meet them, you know, uh, you know, people like Curtis, who's like, you know, my internet pal now people like Zachary. I mean, like I'm really, I love that component, but Again, the slide culture is, well, here's a bunch of Q&A that, that like is now, now you're in here a little bit longer. <laughs> and now that this person's quote unquote show is done, it's time for, you know, comments, which can be good. But you know where I think, you know where I think Q&A works a lot better? We got to get going, right? We run long? Yeah, I'm a little long. Okay, well, I'm almost, I'm pretty much done. Unless there's questions from yeah. the uh, jackals. <laughs> you know what I would say? Uh, I don't love panels. I think they can be great. I think Q&A makes a lot more sense for panels. And, and for you to be a good audience member with Q&A, uh, at a panel in, in particular, I, I would try to ask questions that, yes, show you listen to what people just said, but then encourages the contrast, not disagreement necessarily, but the contrast between what two speakers said. Say, oh, like, can you clarify? Like, like you said that buying links is awesome. And you said that buying links is critical. Like, could you clarify which of you is ruining everything more? You know, well, that's not true. That's not a real question. <laughs> but um, I think, that's, I think that's, that's a good way to do it. Send us your slides. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> really? Really? Well, I mean, why don't, you know, why don't you just show a YouTube video of me and let people read off the script? <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, you can just show a little video of me going, Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my talk about Endbox Zero. Did anybody have any questions and answers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to button this up yeah let's do it all right i love you love you too merlin man <laughs>